We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Puts the ball in the air, and away we go from Blacksburg. And Miami gets the first position. Joseph the Poplar on the right wing. Looks inside, back out to Joseph. Short hand off to Miller. Joseph goes left on the wing. Shot fake plays it into Amir, gets down low against Kidd. Shot fake once and then puts it up and scores. Just wedged him out of the way. Omir, number one in field goal percentage in the league at 60%. JT, I'm fly with it. C-I-T-Y with it. Here comes Nigel Pack. Flips it back to Wooga. Point three, good! Wong goes left. Now the lane, Wong to the rim and scores. 10 for Isaiah Wong. That quiets the furnace of the castle. 45-42 Miami. Money fight, this going big. JC, I ain't playing. Nigel Pack with six. With five, Pack steps back for three. In the air, good! Nigel Pack with a big time three ball. My goodness. And boy, did that come at the right time. A clutch three by Nigel Pack. And the horn sounds, and Miami has another great win on the road. The Travelers from Coral Gables come to Blacksburg and defeat Virginia Tech. Another vital win for Miami. Your final score, Miami 76, Virginia Tech 70. Another big win for Miami Hoops last night. Seven straight now, road win there at Virginia Tech. Josie Gacky on the call. Let's take a look at our stock market update now that the markets are closed. This is brought to you by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-FREE. That's 1-800-747-3733. So uh, the Dow Jones in the red today, but not as bad as yesterday. So that's my silver lining. Down 84 and a half points. NASDAQ is up 14 points. S&P is down 6.29 points. So uh, yesterday was a bloodbath crowder where we're going to get that portfolio back in order here in uh, in short order. We got to ride the wave, baby. That's right. Don't look at it. I, I get my envelope sometimes for my 401k, Donald, and I throw it away. Yeah. I don't want to stress myself out. The bell curve, the last recession will be higher then the, the the previous recession will be lower than the last recession. The next peak will be higher than the previous peak. That's how the market works. It's been that way for 100 years. You're right, because whenever I open up the 401k report, I like start to do the math in my head. I'm like, all right, I can retire when I'm 178 years old, and then I'll have enough money to live off of after that, because it gets worse and yeah. worse and worse. But I know that there are better things going on in the sports world. Dan Day, how about some headlines? I like Josie's flow over that Twerculator beat, too. 
he was called people don't know he called the game over that the entire uh, time <laughs> uh, you know if, if you listened last night you would have known that <laughs> and that's coach l's favorite song too right y'all are crazy <laughs> that's what i was told man i don't know that's why i had it put together like that if coach l rides up opens the door <laughs> And it's time for some twerculators comes on as he walks out with his briefcase. I would die of a heat stroke or something from laughing. <laughs> so recruiting them, the team is so good this year. Don't play for a coach like that. Have you guys ever asked Coach L like what he listens to? Like, Ooh. is he blaring Sinatra? Like, what, what's going on in Coach L's car? Ooh, we talk movies a lot. We've never yeah. talked music. We'll talk music next time, Don. I'm gonna write okay. that down, man. Okay. These headlines are brought to you by the new Palmetto Ford Truck Supercenter. Why buy your truck at a car store? Palmetto Ford, we know trucks. Let's get to some Panthers cat talk. It is fueled by Celsius Essential Energy. Live fit. The Panthers just barely in a wild card spot in the Eastern Conference, and they prepare to continue their push towards those playoffs this Friday when they host the Sabres at 7. So that's three full nights off, huh? Like three and a half days off because they played in the afternoon on Monday. It's like... They probably need some of this rest, Crowder, because if you look through the standings, they've played like three, four more games than some of the other teams in the East have played. So, you know, if they can actually get like more than a night off between some of these games, it'll do them good because they they did beat Anaheim on Monday. Anaheim's terrible. They needed overtime to win that game, which is fine. Two points or two points, but they looked a little sluggish at times in that game. So rest those legs and uh, have a better time on the skates uh, on Friday night. Oh, Dono, with the Panthers, because, you know, we we went deep into the All-Star game, being down here this year and just all that was going on. Hawk and myself were actually there the Friday with the All-Star game weekend started. We were at the – at the um, what's it now? I always forget the names of these places now. FLA Live. FLA, FLA Live. Live. Yeah, yeah, FLA Live now. Miami-Dade is where the heat plays. It's just weird. But we were down there during the Panthers thing, and I kept asking that question, like, what needs to be done? What needs to be addressed? Changed? We talked to Goldie. We talked to Plagan. We talked to, to uh, Randy Moeller. We talked to everybody that we know down there. And all of them said the same thing, Donald, to your point. We need to get healthy. Yeah. We need to have the team that we put out on the ice in our minds on paper. We need it on the ice every night. The same lineups, consistency, playing together, consistently playing together. And Paul Maurice told me, I was listening to Joe Rose one morning. He said, we're playing the style of hockey that can win in the playoffs. Because in the past, we were playing fast break, you know, offensive hockey, but mm. you get it with the Tampas. You get, you know, you get with those playoff monsters who Tampa's been our damn Achilles heel for years, and yeah. they play playoff hockey, and they beat the hell out of us. So I'm listening to Coach Maurice. They're playing playoff hockey. Well, I, I hope he's right because I, I hope ready. he's right because they're not playing great regular season hockey. So they, <laughs> you got to get into the playoffs first. <laughs> when I brought that to Hawks' attention, y'all sound the same. He was like, <laughs> what's the point of playing playoff hockey if you don't make the playoff <laughs> listen Donald there's a style of play that I've been told the Panthers possess right now Donald don't 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 don't, don't steal my vibe I'm liking this right yeah, now they I can live play right, all the playoff hockey they, they can play all the playoff hockey they want but if they're the nine seed it doesn't do them any good they they, they are the last wild card spot right now so right now they're just making the cut they look good Donald playoff hockey Okay. Miami alum Tim Harris Jr. will be the Canes' new running back coach. He was co-offensive coordinator and assistant head coach last season at Central Florida. Now, Crowder, um, I do love this hire, but it's not just because he's a Miami alum. Like, I I, I kind of feel like the Miami alum thing gets a little overplayed. Like, Pete, a lot of Canes fans are like, no, you got to have, you got to have Edger and James coaching your running backs. You got to have 
you know, let's get Reggie Wayne to coach the receivers, which was a name that was talked about. I don't think he's going to end up taking the job, but like, you know, and, and Mario Cristobal is an alum, but that doesn't mean he's not the right person for the job, but doesn't the whole alum thing, it, it gets maybe a little bit overplayed. Like I just want the right coaches. I don't care what school. I mean, we got a, a former Seminole coaching our linebackers now, Derek Nicholson, but I think he can do a good job. And like, I like Tim Harris regardless of where he went to school, but I don't need to have a staff full of alums. And I, I want to ask you, I actually answer a question with a question. Do y'all love the alumni because of the fact that they know about what the Canes do and you won't understand thing? Because the reason I want somebody, if I was a Cane, to know or to be an alumni is that they know South Florida. They, they know where Northwestern yeah. is. They know how to get to St. Thomas. They know where American Heritage is. That's what I would think the alumni think. Y'all get caught up in, he's one of us. Yeah. He could have been a hell of a linebacker, but he's not a good coach. Which which side are you on, Donald? Because this alumni thing, I think y'all are one of the schools that put way too much on this alum hiring an alumni thing. Bruce Crowder, I don't know if you've noticed this, but Miami fans do enjoy living in the past at certain times. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you've noticed that, but no. But you you also you made a good point about the high schools. Like that that's a box that Tim Harris Jr. checks off. Because he he was a successful coach at Booker T as his father was, um, so you know he comes from a family and and Tim Harris Jr. He was an athlete at Miami, but he actually ran track. Uh, he wasn't a football player at Miami, but he comes from a football family, so he still got into coaching. But he can walk into any high school in Dade, Broward, Palm Beach, and he's probably got a personal relationship with all the coaches there, and they know exactly who he is. So from that aspect, this definitely does help. Oh yeah, and that's the thing too. Every anybody can walk in with a with a polo shirt on with a college emblem on the chest and say, "Hey, I'm with this person." That doesn't give you the respect that personal. Hey, like when when Mark Richt or when you know Charlie Strong, to be honest, or when guys came to my high school, they walk in the front door and the resource officer would say, "Oh, you're here to see Channing Crowder," because I wasn't at a very you know top heavy school, but they yeah. had that respect walking in. That's what you need at UM. The UM shirt just doesn't mean something. I know, Donald, y'all think it means so much, and I'm oh, not disrespecting you. I think it you. means more than you think it does, because whenever they do those surveys about, like, the brands and they they pull people who are, like, younger than when Miami was winning championships, the U still carries some weight, man. It still carries weight. I think the person with the shirt on has to perform. Will the yeah. U get your attention, Donald? Okay, I'll meet you here. The U yeah. does get your attention. But then the conversation has to start. And who's having those conversations? It doesn't matter if you went to Miami or not. There are good recruiters and there are people that can't recruit. I want I want any – oh, I would say – we're speaking of UM. I can't say I want. But y'all should want somebody that's a hell of a recruiter and not just a guy that's been here. Yeah. I know some people that went to UF that I would – that I tell people didn't even go to UF because they're so terrible or whatever they do after the fact. <laughs> hey, you know this guy? No, I ain't played with him. Yeah, I know this guy. I'm just not proud I played with him. I love it. I love it. And even and and also like, you know, I, I don't want to get someone who's a quote unquote great recruiter if they're not also a good coach and teacher. Because I was having a conversation this morning on uh, my Locked On Canes podcast with Larry Bluestein, who he knows more about recruiting than probably anyone on planet Earth. And like he even said, he's like, I think this whole idea of like being a great recruiter, it's a little bit overrated that whole concept. Because guess what? The best recruiting tool is winning games, which Miami didn't do last year. They still had a great recruiting class despite not winning games, but winning games. And then if you're a running backs coach, 
if if your running back room is putting up big numbers, like Tim Harris's running backs, uh, they rushed for 228 yards per game last year at UCF. That was really good. If you can show production, that's more powerful than like your people skills, right? Like how yeah. how friendly you are when you walk into a room. Well, coach, show me how your unit performed last year. That's an even bigger factor. Oh, yeah, the on-the-field performance position-wise, Donald, and team success is big, but it's that – and, you know, to be honest, for, a, for a, a guy with five or six scholarships, the recruiting is what it is. He has a couple options. It's for the guys that UN wants to get back getting. It's for those five stars. It's for those big names. It's for the, it's for the guys – let's be honest, and as a Gator, I'll say it. The guys that Alabama's getting right now and the Michigans and those guys are getting. When you have 100 scholarship offers – now it's bigger than football. Now you have to have that comfort level and that yeah. guy that has me. And like I've said, and I've, I said it today a number of times because we're speaking about UM and uh, and football and recruiting, I chose UF because of Charlie Strong. Mm. I, UF was off my list. I was committed to UGA. I was going to play for Coach Van Hallinger, Van Gorder, and Mark Richt. There was the, D, the DC. This is a funny thing, too. I love the strength coach. His name was something Van Hallinger. And wow. I loved him. He was a he was about six six. He was a big old strainy, dark haired white dude, and he had so much damn crazy passion. I just loved him being in the weight room. So I was going I was going to Georgia not because I was a bulldog fan, because I loved those three coaches. When I switched, I switched for Charlie Strong. And not not to pat myself on the back, Dono, I had a hundred plus scholarship offers, yeah. but that was the way wow. I made my decision. So I think those personal relationships really do mean something on that upper tier of high school athlete coming out. Like it. What else we got going on, Dan? Let's get to weather from the Demesman and Dover Law Firm. Your AccidentAttorneys.com. Free consultations 24-7 at 866-954-MORE. It's around 80 degrees. A little bit of cloud cover, but a very slight chance of rain, which leads us to taking a step into the day spa. Uh. A man sparked debate online after he cut off the moldy part of bread, then ate the rest of it. Ooh, um, I've seen people do that. I, I feel like that that's something my father has done before, where it's like in his mind, you know, you get rid of the moldy part. No, no more mold. You're good to go. For me, no. Nah. If I see one little bit of mold, I'm throwing the entire loaf in the trash. Mold has spores, doesn't it? spores that I don't move know. around and things yeah that's pretty disgusting yeah when bread gets moldy we just throw it in the lake for the fish the fish can deal <laughs> with it I, I wouldn't feed my children moldy bread that's pretty yeah. nasty yeah you guys don't want to know what i think so we're just uh no i, I do want to know what you think pick it off with my fingernails and then eat the rest of the bread all the time i mean i i know i know people do that uh, so dan is not worried about spores apparently but doesn't it have a little stench when it's in the bag and there a little stench of mold I've never thought about that. <laughs> Probably does, yeah. <laughs> but then, aren't aren't there times when it's okay to eat mold? Because isn't like blue I, cheese I blue doesn't cheese. that does doesn't blue like blue cheese does have mold in it? So why is that mold okay, but the bread mold isn't okay? It's been marketed well. The moldy <laughs> bread, the moldy bread has no commercials, Dono. <laughs> it's not as appetizing. <laughs> I don't know. You know, maybe uh, it's a different type of bacteria, different type of mold. That might be the reason yeah, why. Maybe so, or they just uh, the, the mold, the bread mold just needs a better PR department. <laughs> you know, bread, cheese is old. You know, beer and alcohol is rotten stuff. Like it's a lot. Yeah. Of, if you really want to go deep in the house, some stuff is made. It would disgust you the stuff that you really, you know, dry aged. They just hang yeah. meat up in a closet for yeah. weeks. 
Yeah, but it is damn delicious, Donald. So, yeah, I think I'm taking a stance on something. I need to reevaluate my palate before I start taking yeah. shots at moldy bread. Yeah, if, if you're gonna have this stance, you can never eat cured meat ever again. If you're if you're against aged things. Dan, I'm sorry, Dan. Thank you, thank you. I appreciate you just being open-minded and kind of talking yourself through it, too, at the same time. Yeah. You could have just yeah. taken a hard stand and been like, I'm right, you're wrong. But no, you thought it through. I appreciate that. He went through the entire scientific process in 30 seconds. And I went beautiful. through it, too. I thought about spores, and I thought about the smell, and I said, you know what? You might be right. So I think we're coming to some middle ground right here. Yeah, conversation. Communication runs the world if you know how to do it. Look at there. I love it. Happy endings for everyone. All right, that was uh, a trip into the day spa. Hawk and Crowder show continues. Dono in for Hawk here on AM560 Sports WQAM. This is the Hawk and Crowder show. Like hotcakes, I mean, it must be a term that people had used. Or it would make me believe that the term pancake was copyrighted or something, right? Like they couldn't sell pancakes, so they created I- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going to punch you in the face. Hawk and Crowder. Yo, Crowder. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I look at uh, the AFC East landscape next year. I'm pretty confident if Tua can stay healthy. Pretty confident about the defense adding Vic Fangio, and hopefully the Dolphins' secondary can be healthier. But... Uh, how worried should I be about what other teams in the division might do? Because obviously, and the the Dolphins have clearly closed the gap with Buffalo because they, you know, they beat them once, and then the other two games, including the playoff game without Tua, were incredibly close. So they're closing the gap with Buffalo. I, I'd say Buffalo's still the class of the division. Uh, should I fear the Jets at all if they actually find a quarterback? Right, because the, the Jets. Good defense, good young roster. Um, Zach Wilson, he's a disgrace to quarterback play. And, you know, maybe they'll end up not getting anybody that they want. But, like, I keep hearing the Jets and conversations about – 
Derek Carr and even Aaron Rodgers. So, like, if the Jets can find themselves like a big upgrade at quarterback, like, should I be concerned that they might even be able to pass Miami? My biggest fear in the division is the Jets getting a legit quarterback. Because, yeah. Don, I think you understated how good their defense is. Yeah. You look at some of them games, like, they were holding people to single digits sometimes. In the teens was a bad game for them. If they get a legit quarterback with all the the Garrett Wilson, the young, he was offensive rookie of the year this year. Like they have some young great pieces. They're just missing that quarterback. If the Jet, the Bills are number one. I I there's not there's nothing that can happen this offseason where the Bills aren't in number one spot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But right now the Dolphins are two. The Jets and the Patriots are below beneath them, but the Jets can jump the two with a quarterback bro i hate to say it i'm just being honest i am terrified of the jets finding a quarterback now what about like for the patriots because they they brought bill o'brien back so they they no longer have like defensive coaches calling plays on the offensive side yeah. so it, it, se it seems like bill realized how stupid that was last year but like i don't have any belief in mac jones like i, I just think he's a jag he's just another guy so yeah. like it, it, do you worry about the patriots at all is it kind of between dolphins and jets for that second place spot to be honest, the whole damn division can play defense if you think about it. Yep. The Bills, <laughs> like every – the whole division's in the top 12 usually in the defensive categories. The Patriots, I'm not worried about them because of the fact that I didn't believe this. I was actually arguing that Bill Belichick was just as important as Tom Brady to their success. That approach that they have to we don't need stars, we can just get guys like Nikhil Harry to be our number one receiver and things like that, Dono. Uh, Tom Brady made that possible, I'll say. The one year they had Randy Moss, they damn well undefeated and lost in the Super Bowl. When they get a player, when the Patriots start getting all-stars, Pro Bowl-type players, giving them money, I believe in the Patriots. But if they continue this cheap stretch of, hey, we're yeah. the Patriots, we'll just figure out a way to plug and play, they're never going to be good because Tom Brady's now retired. How much longer do you think Belichick does it? Because like, and, and I keep up with this because I think he's 18 wins away from Don Shula's record. So I, you, it's get getting down to crunch time here, right? I mean, that's yeah. like, you know, if, if they win, even if they only win like average seven wins a season, he's you know three three seasons away from from breaking that. But it, it seems like Robert Kraft is like already kind of trying to nudge him out the door. Like it sounds like Gerard Mayo, who Kraft made sure to retain, he considers him to be the heir apparent. For Belichick so it's like you already apparently have his heir apparent on staff and Kraft and Belichick they butted heads a little bit the last few years like I, I'm sure Kraft is kind of pissed about the way that the whole uh the offensive play calling thing went and I know Kraft has gotten on Belichick a little bit for not drafting well in recent years so you know it, it seems like uh I, I don't I don't even know if Belichick's gonna make it there long enough to break that Shula record I think he breaks the record by far Donald oh. there's no way there's no way he he get, they get rid of him for 18 wins away. I think he That's breaks the point. record. Too good for marketing, right? To have it's, yeah, it's a good. Point. And we have the yeah. So and their divisional yeah. too. So think about it. Every time you talk about the greatest coach of all time, who has the most wins, you bring up a team in their division. Now we can take that away from the Dolphins and add that to the Patriot lore. They'll do that. Actually, Ben Volan said something because he brought up he he brought up that too, and he was the same way we are, like flat out. He's gonna break the record as a Patriot yeah. coach. Yeah. But then does he want to prove that he can get back on top without Brady? Does he mm. want to make a playoff run? And that was the question, too, and that's something. Hell, Bill Belichick, won't, he won't speak about a game. There's no way he's speaking about his legacy and his decision. Yeah. But does he have that in him where he knows people are questioning his ability without Brady? Does he want to make another run with another quarterback just to 
I would say, honestly, shut some people up. That's something that, you know, you have to pick inside Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's mind maybe after a couple beers to really figure out. A couple Funky Buddhas. Remember, we do have the Funky yes. Buddha happy hour coming up in about 25 minutes. If you guys want to get in on the Kendall Toyota, West Kendall Toyota text line, 305-567-0560. That's 305-567-0560. We'll talk more about Dolphins and what they do with Tua long-term because – that's been the topic of the day on ESPN. They're they're round tables all day talking about Tua, his long term extension, you know, with that he would need within the next couple of years or the fifth year option that's looming. So we'll talk about that and more when we come back here. Hawk and Crowder Show, AM five sixty sports WQAM. Coming up next on the Hawk and Crowder Show. Bad bunny da da ya 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 da 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 ya. Hawk and Crowder. Tua Tungavailoa is heading into his fourth season, uh, but Pretty soon, the Dolphins will have to make that decision if they want to, you know, exercise the fifth-year option, which would pay him, uh, I think, around twenty-three million for that fifth year, which is a lot of money. But this quarterback market, he'd be making half what a lot of the other quarterbacks are making out there on that yeah. year. Uh, but then also, the Dolphins, you know, they don't have to decide this right now, but at some point, you know, they have to decide about a long-term extension with Tua. They could give one to him as early as this off-season, which I don't think that they would do. And like, how can you? But then I've heard other people, Crowder, bring up the idea that, you know, maybe you would want, like, if you really like Tua, if this organization really wants to build around Tua, you would want to make that decision on the on the long-term extension earlier because you'd like to give him an extension before guys like Herbert and Burrow sign theirs and, and set the market. At the same time, like for me, I'm fine exercising the fifth-year option, like giving him the fifth-year option because I still think, even if you're worried about his long-term health, $23 million for a quarterback in this day and age is like nothing. So I'd be okay with the option. I certainly i am skeptical about a long-term extension, Crowder. Like you push that decision off as long as you can. See if he can get through year four healthy before you make a decision on that. No, don't try to – don't rush and try to beat Herbert and Burroughs' deals. That's yeah. silly because we don't know if he's the guy of the future. I'm with you, Dono. Wait. Add the extra year. And that $23 million, I looked it up because I knew the numbers were crazy, but I looked it up. Yeah. Right now, Tannehill makes $7.5 million. He's the 21st highest-paid quarterback. If he made 23, you know he only jumps to 14th. Wow. That's a, there, are, there are 13 human beings at quarterback that make more than $23 million a year. It's right in the middle. It's right in the middle. You know who's, you know who's 13? <laughs> Ryan Ooh. Tannehill at 29.5. Wow. Tanny makes $30 million a year. And it goes up from there. Kirk Cousins at 35. Dax at seven at 40. Patrick Mahomes at 45. Deshaun Watson next year is 46. Kyler Murray's at 46. That's what you don't want to be in. You yeah. don't want to be in a situation like Arizona with Kyler Murray owing him $50 million a year and knowing that he can't take you deep into the playoffs because yeah. it's proven. Dono, the Dolphins shouldn't panic, shouldn't try to beat any contracts. You sit back and continue to evaluate. You get the fifth-year extension on the rookie deal exactly for this purpose. Hey, I need an extra year. The yeah. guy makes a bunch of money, and we get an extra year before we have to give him a quarter billion dollars. Don't rush. Sign him to his fifth year. Give him that 23. See what happens after these next two years, and then you can make an informed educational decision on who's your quarterback heading into, what would that be, 2025? Yeah, 2026. Whatever yeah. it is, make a well-informed decision on that. Don't rush to sign to it. We were talking earlier about 
how personal that negotiation with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens is probably getting. And, you know, cause you, you were saying that when, when you go in, especially when you're acting as your own agent to try and negotiate, they're going to give you all the reasons why they don't want to be paying you 50 million a year. Right. So that, yeah. you know, it, it, it can probably get personal, you know, Tua wouldn't be acting as, as his own agent, but it, you got me thinking, what would that negotiation be like? Like if Tua's agent is trying to maybe starting to test the waters with the Dolphins, like, hey, maybe we should start thinking about what that extension might look like. You know, I, I can only imagine what the Dolphins would be telling Tua and his agent about how, hey, can you get through a, a season healthy first before you talk about getting crazy money? Like that's going to get personal. Oh, 100 percent. And we, we know that we know that situation. We know the Knox. Tua's unhealthy. Hey, man, you've had a number of concussions. You've broken your ribs. You've messed up your wrist. That's after dislocating your hip in college a couple years back. That's what it's going to go off of. And in negotiations, I know the Dolphins will admit it, I believe. Hey, you had an MVP stretch. You had a month and a half, two-month stretch last year. That was impressive football. I want to say six 300-plus-yard games. Like, he balled out. But we also have the stretch of the – West Coast trip, we had the, the 49ers, the Chargers, then we came back to Buffalo, all three losses. And Tua was there now. Tua was healthy. Then we had the Green Bay game, which he looked bad in. What, three interceptions that game? Like, we've had a MVP, and we've had a nobody play yeah. in a number one jersey. And that's going to be the back and forth. What are you, Tua? Tua's going to say he's the MVP. Tua's representatives, representatives are going to say he's the MVP guy. The Dolphins trying not to spend all their money is going to say – I don't think you're close to that. I think you're closer to this guy that went 0-3 when it mattered in the end of the season. And that's going to be the back and forth. They're going to find somewhere in the middle. But it's funny. Nothing to $50 million a year as a top quarterback. We can give him 23. That's right in the middle. I think two was a $20 million a year quarterback. I don't think two was a $40-plus million a year QB. No, and this texture I think agrees with us in the three hundred five. He says Tua hasn't played a complete season yet. Go to the fifth year. Yeah, I mean, dude, st stretch the clock out as long as you can. And because not only has he not played a complete season in the NFL, you can take that back to his final two years of college as well. Five straight years, Tua has not gotten through a fully healthy season. You know, a text came in Crowder, uh, sw switching gears to Hurricanes football. I wanted to give my best answer for this. And, you know, I, I can get your uh, your assessment on it. Texture in the 954 says, Dono, any feedback on why Mario Cristobal has challenges hiring assistant coaches, uh, coordinators, offense and defense? My understanding, he says, is that nobody wants to work for him because he is a micromanager. Is that true? Well, first of all, I mean, to say nobody wants to work for him is a little bit of a, a little bit of a generalization because clearly some people want to work for him. But no, to, I, there, there's a little I don't love the way that that's worded as a Hurricanes fan, but there, there's a little something to that Crowder. Um, my understanding and I don't have a personal relationship with Mario, but, you know, I, I know enough people who do. Uh, and have worked for him in the past, uh, people I know who have worked for him. And my understanding is it's not it's not that he's a micromanager, but um, he I, I it, it's challenging to work on a Mario Cristobal staff because he expects everyone to put in the type of hours and the type of grind that he puts in. The man doesn't sleep more than two, three hours a night. And if he's going to show up to the football offices at 3.30, 4 a.m. to start studying and identifying recruits, like – He's going to expect people on his staff to do that. He's going to expect people on his staff to be constantly going on recruiting trips and evaluating talent. Uh, so I think I think it can be a situation where, and this kind of goes back to the Charlie Strong conversation you were having earlier, 
you know, if you're if you're an older coach, maybe a little bit more established, you might not really feel comfortable putting in that sort of grind in those sort of hours. I think that's something that Cristobal expect from expects from his staff. I think that's just the way he does it. I don't necessarily think micromanaging is the issue, but I, I think some people may know, and this is kind of me filling in the blanks here and reading between the lines. I, I think some people may say, you know what, maybe I don't feel like I would fit on that sort of a staff because I know the demands that he's going to raise in terms of the hours and, and my work ethic. And maybe that's not what I want to do right now. Oh, no, no, I actually hit it on the head. I'll use examples. It's just different ways of approaching your staff or approaching your job, to be honest, in the college. There's the Nick Sabans and, uh, you know, those type of guys, the real guys, the like you're saying, four hours a night. Like, they, you know, all the stories where coaches literally have beds and cots in their office yeah. because they're like, I'm leaving here at midnight. I'm coming back at 6 a.m. It takes me 40 minutes to get home. I'm sleeping for three hours. I can sleep five hours if I stay here. So coaches do that. But then I'll bring up um the Steve Spurrier, where he had a tea time throughout the entire season. And Steve Spurrier is a national championship head coach. He had a tea time set where, hey, we, hey, coach, we got some extra film study after practice. No, fellas, I got a tea time. I'll see you guys later. You could coach for Steve Spurrier and be at the building at 5 o'clock. And he was successful in the yeah. NFL. I love this one because it just ha happened. Belichick. Belichick is Nick Saban in the league. Yeah. Get there. Do your job. This football is everything. Do your job. We're worried about the next game. We're worried about the next snap, the next play, all that stuff. Then you have, remember, when Tampa had that run and Bruce Arian had his interviews where he was like, man, I invite the guys over my house on Friday night to drink whiskey with me. Friday, we, we worked a good week. I'm going to sit back and drink a whiskey out on the dock on my, on my lakefront property. Yeah. That's two different ways of approaching coaching. And yeah. Bruce Arian has a Super Bowl and Bill Belichick has numbers of Super Bowls. It's just what fits you. And I will speak to it that there are coaches that as a player you have to deal with. But there are coaches. If I got into coaching, there's no way I go work for Nick Saban. Because yeah. I'm not I'm not putting in 18 hour days. I'm not taking 18 hours away from my kids year around because this guy's crazy and he thinks everything takes just time and you have to be in the building. I can work in my office, coach. So as a as a as a coach, I would choose not to do it. But as a player, you just kind of go wherever your money comes. But coaching staffs are picked and it's very it's a lot of nepotism, but it's always guys knowing what to expect and being there and not have, being surprised. If you jump on a Mario Cristobal and it sounds a lot along the path of a Nick Saban Belichick type approach, yeah. when you sign on that dotted line. You're not confused or surprised when you walk in day one at 7 a.m. And it's been people that have been there for an hour and a half. It should not surprise you. Well, and Nick Saban was one of the people that Mario Cristobal worked, uh, learned from and worked under. Uh, so yep. it, it kind of makes sense. And like, and listen, I think Crowder said it best. Like, and, and I like Mario. So I, I may, you may think I'm a little bit biased towards Mario. And I probably am because I've been a fan of his before he even came back to Miami to be the head coach. But there's more than one way to win. Like there's more than one way to skin a cat. Like when you talk about Belichick's way and Bruce Arians, they can both be successful under very different methods. So I appreciate that. So I just think that in terms of when you're going to be a coordinator or an assistant working under Cristobal, I think that perhaps, and I hope this is the case, the type of people that he's hiring now, younger up and comers might be a better fit for his staff than you know someone like Kevin Steele who's you know been doing this forever and was like he was literally retired before he came he came out of retirement to take that yeah. job last year and you know Josh Gaddis who was you know the, the reigning Broyles award 
winner, like maybe getting guys from places like Houston and Marshall, if you can properly identify those diamonds in the rough, right? Because like, who was Jimmy Johnson before he came to Miami and won? So if you can hopefully correctly identify young up and coming coaches, they may be just hungrier and willing and able to put in that sort of work that some of these more established guys are not. So it might be a better fit. And they're not stuck in their ways. Yeah. They're like the old dog, new tricks. When you get one of these young puppies that are coming up wanting to, they in their mind, they're about to break, you know, Nick Saban's national championship record. They're going to do whatever it takes. You know, if you could, I would say a mid 20s, early 30 year old great coach is way better to have than a 60 year old great coach. Because mm-hmm. you have another 30 years of his greatness that you can develop and mold right. and make and, and make into something to help you out. So, yeah. But Donald, everybody tries that. They just fail a lot. Let's find the 30-year-old genius. Let's find the next Sean McVay. There's not many damn Sean McVays out there. We brought up uh, Kyler Murray earlier in the segment. Everybody thought Cliff Kingsbury was Sean McVay until we found out Cliff Kingsbury can't coach the second half of a damn season. He's just a handsome fella. You start off seven and one year after year and don't even make the playoffs. Like The hardest thing to find is a great young coach. Because development makes coaches a lot bigger. Players get old. Coaches get better. By the way, this is a really good point by the texter. Maybe using uh, the two examples that we used of Belichick and Arians weren't the best. Because the texter writes in, well, they both won because they both had Brady. <laughs> yeah. yeah hey, it's a, good, listen, it's a fair texter, point. Fair texter, point. Brady is a cheat code. Or yeah. was a cheat yeah. code. He's retired. I don't believe it totally yet. But yeah. But yeah. even the same variable of Brady... Bruce could win, you know, a little more relaxed. And right. Belichick needed to be all anal and yeah, to win. They both won with Brady. I think I think it makes the point better because it has the same variable, the same consistent thing. What's it called with the, the scientific projects? The, the constant. Same, the, the constant, yes. The constant. Yes. We had a constant of Brady with two different variables of coaches, and they still won a Super Bowl. But think about, like, Andy Reid seems like kind of a laid back guy. I mean, he's drawn mustaches on people in airplanes and whatever, whatever the hell he's up to. Like, you know, obviously he's, I'm not saying he doesn't work hard, but he, he has a much different approach from a Bill Belichick. Oh, he's got, he's got Mahomes though. Yes. And that makes it easy. Oh, so the Texas point now having a great quarterback makes it easier. I think those Bill Belichick guys are dying out. Yeah. I think because you even, you look at these new, the new wave of coaches even the older guys aren't that way. Like the Sean Payton's, he's not that way. These yeah. the Dan Campbells are for real not that way. Like I think as we we as I kill millennials and Gen X and all that crap, these new millennial and Gen X coaches they're not gonna they're not gonna approach it the way yeah. Belichick does. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully Mike McDaniel can win it in a very different way. Five Come o'clock, on, funky Buddha happy hours coming up next here on Hawk and Crowder. Coming up next on the Hawk and Crowder show. You know, I like big butts, <laughs> and I cannot lie. Hawk and Crowder. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.